0: Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be with you again, and uh, we're going to have another wonderful night. I'm going to try to stay back here, and I'm, I'm going to act like that pole doesn't exist. But if I run into it, my dad threw me a pass when when we were playing football outside, and we had a pole that was that big, and it was a light pole. Remember those old light poles? They were this. They were this big, and they had a couple of... A little, you know, ends that came out like this. And then you'd have a light there. And he threw me a pass. And I was coming. I was breaking. He threw it. I didn't even see it. I caught that pass. And I'm on my back, seeing stars, feeling like my life is over. And my dad did what he did his whole entire life. Walked to him and said, oh, you're fine. Get up. <laughs> you could never be hurt, you know, in those old days. That's how it was. You know, you never had to... Sympathy of saying, oh man, are you okay? That was, never. It was you're fine. Get up. (laughs) Half dead. Get up. Okay. And we just, uh, we minded, you know, because back in those days, you'd get a belt if you messed up, you know. (laughs) And and my dad was a a disciplinarian. He was a high school principal. So he even went down to the wood shop to uh, put holes in his paddle to just get a little less drag and a little more speed. Amen. So I, I learned the, the, the old fashioned way to when they said jump, you just said how hi, high, yeah. right? That'll get you out of a lot of trouble. Praise the Lord. The young folks today, they missed all that fun. Amen. <laughs> well, a couple of things we've got on the table just to let you know is uh, some of the materials back there. I think I've shared with you enough. I think you know my heart with this. We just bring some of the material in case somebody uh, feels like they'd like to have more of what they're getting. Uh, and then and, and most of the things back there seem to have the emphasis uh, that uh, of just manifesting God, uh, becoming more aware of God, seeing God. Um, and and your faith is always supposed to work with a person, not just with words on, on on a page. That's good, too, though. Amen. Amen. Having the Bible, having those scriptures is is good. That'll point you in the right direction. But when Jesus becomes real to you, that's when it just it marries itself. It's, it works. Amen. <laughs> You know, I didn't marry a love letter, I married a person. Yeah. Amen? And uh, we've got to keep that in mind because that's that's what happened. We came into a relationship with Jesus. We didn't come into a relationship with His Word, although His Word continues to highlight and, uh, if you will, make beautiful the relationship with Jesus. But we came into a relationship with a person. So there's some things back there in case you'd like to know. Uh, I know Aaron will be back there afterwards. One of the, One of the series that we have, we brought a couple of them. It just happens to be a really good one. You know, everything I put out there um, just happens to be like the better sermon that I ever did on that subject. Well, you don't want to put something bad out there, but I mean, as a traveling minister and even as a pastor, you'll preach things over and over again. I mean, I, I remember traveling with Brother Hagen all those years and, uh, and he's, you know, the morning sessions. He'd say, well, take your Bibles out. And we'd be, all, all 20 of us or so that we're in the group, be sitting there mouthing what he's getting ready to say, say next. And turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. And then he'd, every once in a while, he'd just, just say this, just maybe to make himself feel better, or just to let everybody know. He said, some of you think, is that the only passage of Scripture that I know? He said, no. He said, but it's a good one. And he said, you probably don't question singing a good song more than once. He said, so why not preach on a good, a good Scripture more than once? And that set me free a little bit. You know, although I've never really been able to do that too much. Uh, I was in a church also that I've been at least 23 or 4 years that I've gone to. And it was so long ago that I preached some of the things that this last time I brought up some things I'd preached there before, they had no idea I'd ever preached those. I thought, man, this is good stuff. I said, well, I actually preached this here, you know, about 20 years ago. And, you know, and they said, "Wow, it sounded—it felt like it was brand new." I said, "Well, good, good. See, next time I won't tell you." <laughs> but um, prayer secrets—there's a real, there's a real um, urgency in the body of Christ. People are praying right now that haven't prayed formally, so to speak, more than just you know, you know, lay me down to sleep. You know, pray, my Lord, my soul to keep. You know I, mean? I mean, some of those you know, and praying over our food. But but people are being called to pray on purpose for our nation, for revival, for the body of Christ, for the will of God to be done. Amen. I know, you know, some people pray in a manner to get com- completely political, but it's always better to pray God's will be done. That's one of the blessings about being filled with the Holy Ghost is when you pray in the Holy Spirit, then you're praying out the perfect will of God. You don't get your own your own bias in there. Amen. And so, uh, but it's interesting. There is a call to prayer right now. I don't know if some of you know this, but um, in fact, I don't even know. Do you remember what it was when we started? uh, Was it at the beginning of the summer? We started prayer school live. So for 10 years from 1994 to, to 2004, Aaron and I were traveling with Brother Hagan. We came off the road and they asked me to take over the prayer school and the healing school there at the Kenneth Hagen Ministries. Well, during those years, you know, uh, I preached, I think, close to 500 to 550 times a year for 10 years in a row. Now, you add that up, that's more than once a day. And I didn't preach every single day. So then that means there's sometimes two, three, four times a day you'd be preaching. Because you had so many meetings to do. Well, and then preaching on the weekends and all. And so it was a time I didn't realize it, you know, but uh, I learned some things just by preaching so much, I stumbled on things. wasn't because I was so smart, just because when you do it so much, you start seeing things by the Holy Spirit. Even while you're preaching, He starts giving you a picture of something. And even while you're preaching, you'll read a scripture and then you'll read it preaching this but the holy ghost just showed you this and then you go back and you study see so i i'm not the type that's your i don't know how you say it but i'm not your class a studier where i can just sit there all day and muse over words and just meditate and stuff no, I, i'd rather pray and get an idea and then the lord give me an idea and then i'll go study that idea out and find out it actually was in the bible <laughs> that's always nice amen is when you find out it's actually in there. Amen. And so, um, uh, during those 10 years, and then Leanne, who was with me, one of the ladies there that was with me, she helped me for 10 years. And then when I left, she stayed for another 15. God bless her soul. Amen. So, she was there for 25 years. I was there for 10 of that 25. Well, we probably touched close to 10,000 people. In that 25 years that came through the prayer and healing school. Now we touched a whole lot more than that because there were big meetings where there would be two or three thousand people. At least two thousand would come sometimes to the to the big meetings. It might start out at 800. There'd be so many healings. The next day, next day you'd have 1500. Then you'd be taken down a partition and you'd have close to 1800 people. It would it would go like that because they didn't really they didn't usually in the big meetings they didn't. Um, tell people about what we were doing too much as to say well there's a prayer school and a healing school so people didn't really know what it was like maybe there's 10 people you know on their knees on the ground praying no there were like you know 1,200 people in there uh, in the big meetings and so we would touch more but my thought was to Leanne I asked her back in June I just had it on my heart said you know we need to go ahead and start prayer school live And I believe we'll reach out and be able to draw in all those people that we had ministered to years ago. There's I just knew this by the Spirit. There's many of them that haven't prayed an ounce or a lick since they prayed with us way back in prayer school. There's many of them that have a call on their life that aren't doing the work or the, the will of God in the ministry that have just gone down a different path and they feel bad about themselves and they just need to know that they're loved and they need to be called back to a place of prayer. I said, and then besides, the Holy Ghost is wanting us to pray. Pray effectively. Amen. Effectively means you hit the target. That's sure a whole lot better than missing it altogether. Amen. And so we started, and, and my goodness, you know, we've had usually every every week that we pray, we'll have 100 a, a to 200 people that are live but then within the course of 24 hours, usually there's a thousand or more that are already tuned into prayer school lives. So we've started out. We've got a, a decent following, but it's just going to get better and better and better. And so that's on Monday night. And if any of you want to join us, not to take you away from anything here in the church, but if you want to join in, it's just an hour. This last time it wasn't even an hour there'll be times where we'll pray a great majority of that, and then other times where I may, I may minister or preach, Leanne may share some things, you know, for the first half an hour, but all to just get everybody to be effective and together and one. Amen. And so you can get there by going on to prayerschoollive.com and you can put your email address in there and just subscribe, not subscribe, but just sign up and then we'll send a link to you. And you can get on at 7 o'clock Monday night. Amen. Central time. 8 o'clock, 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Alright? And it's for an hour. So, if you'd like to join us, you can. If you join us and it's not your cup of tea, I understand we're a little bit wild. I mean, I'm in just in my house. She's in her house. And we're just connected by the internet. So, I can pray however I want to pray in my house. No, I'm serious. It can get really wild. I mean, the Holy Ghost is having us go crazy prayer, you know. But, but that's how, it's how it is. The funnest part about praying like this is you don't start praying crazy in your mind. You just start praying and then you start lean over to the Holy Ghost, start praying in other tongues and you just pray in other tongues like you normally would if you were just by yourself. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost starts having you to pray out different kind of languages, different inflections. It can get loud. It can get crazy. It can get militant. It can get just real soft and surreal. It can be a time where you just get real quiet and, and reflect uh, what's going on on the inside. He just takes you down many different ways. And the fun part is you're just following. It's never the same. You never come the next week, think, let's duplicate. I don't even remember. I mean, we preach so much anymore. I mean, even Erin's starting to get a little bit of this. Well, she'll say she's not, but I mean, it's like, okay, where are we? Are you getting a little of that? I've always said, when you get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you can't remember what side of the bed you're on and where the bathroom is because, because you don't remember if it was 211 that you're in or 603 that you're in, if it's a Hampton Inn or if it's the Quality Inn or you don't remember. That's when you need to go home. You've been out too long. And so, so you know amen, there's a grace to do it but but it's it's like a horse when it's done its work and it gets to go back to the barn. You can't get back fast enough amen i I mean, I tell you, pastors have had to put up with me for years for years, for years, for decades, having six o'clock flights on Monday morning. And we have to. I get them up at three thirty in the morning to come pick me up before drive me an hour to the airport and get on so that I can get back home and have just an extra couple extra hours with the kids with my wife because in four days I got to go back out and do it again or maybe in three days I got to go out and do it again. So, but praise God they've been real kind to do it. Another one of the books we've got out there is called um, Living in the the Miraculous Gospel of John. And um, I only make a mention of that because in the day we're living, to begin to refresh your mind to how Jesus did what He did, why He said what He said, and how He got the results He did, might be a good refresher for every one of us. It's a commentary to the Gospel of John. So you could take four or five verses at a time and just think about them. Then you'll have commentary that will help you to know what Jesus is thinking and why he said what he said. Amen. So that's what that book's about. So as we come into the scriptures, let's go right here where we finished off John 14, 18 to 20. There's some amazing scriptures here tonight in some different translations that I can't wait to share with you. Because, again, I'm going to state it this way the best I can. Now, there are individuals that will take what I'm saying and say, well, that's actually how I know the Lord. And to the few that can say that, all I can say is praise the Lord that that's the way you know the Lord. In other words, somewhere and somehow you haven't been messed with by religion to taint something that you got that's real. Now to clarify what I'm talking about is I was raised but I found out it's not just me. Many experience this. The greatest majority of people have experienced this. Being raised in a message that brings the emphasis of your christianity and your relationship down to how well you perform doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. Now, everything about our society is swung that way. That's why, oh man, you know, you look back and you would do things differently and I tried some of this. I wasn't perfect at it, but I did try. And I know Aaron did try too. And that was to not wait until the girls did something wrong to reprimand them. To make sure when things were good that you took them aside and gave them approval. Just because they were your daughters. Not waiting for them to do something good To say, now I approve of you, but I approve of you even when, well, what have I done? Well, honey, it's not about what you've done, it's who you are. Come over and let me squeeze you. You know what I mean? Because then you're trying to reinforce we have a relationship not based on, you know, you did really well. Because that child's trying to now do well because they really like it when mommy or daddy makes them feel good and say you did so well. Versus they don't like it when they're being told they did wrong. And what is that system? That system is legalism. And we found out years ago, if your child is frustrated, that's because you're always lowering the law on them. No relationship. It's law. If you're frustrated in your relationship with God, that's because you see your relationship with God through the law. You see it through your performance. Come on. I don't know if you've done this, but most people have. You've messed up and you feel bad. Your heart condemns you. Now, God's greater than your heart. What does that mean? Your heart may condemn you, but God's not. Well, why, why, why is He not condemning me? Because He already forgave all your sins. If He has to wait on you to confess every one of your new sins so that He can have a right relationship with you, I am telling you, it is going to be a long and cold winter. Well, I've been confessing. Did you get them all? I think I did. Well, the guy that came to Jesus talking like that found out that Jesus was able to take him to a whole nother level. Amen. I've done everything right. Jesus looked down and said, well, good for you. What about your thought life, pal? What, what do you mean about my thought life? He said, yeah, if you've already, if you already imagined you know, adultery, then you've committed it. That man walked away really, you know, really sorry. Why? He found out there's a whole lot. In other words, if you come to Jesus based on the law, trying to tell him how perfect you are, he'll be able to find somewhere, somehow, where you've missed it. So if you're waiting on all your forgiveness to make you feel better about your life and your relationship with God, most likely you've missed a bunch. Well, I I didn't say that wrong thing about so-and-so. Yeah, but you agreed with him. So if you agreed with him, it's the same thing as you saying it. Well, I'm telling you, if we get over into that vein... We're all hung. None of us are righteous. No, not one. That's what the Scriptures say. Only Jesus could do what we, the whole world couldn't do. Only Jesus could. That's why He did it. He didn't do it for Himself. He didn't live perfect for Himself, the spotless Lamb. He lived perfect for us. so that He could take away every imperfection and trade for us His perfection. He died because of our sin. He was raised because of our justification. Justification means to be made perfect, to be made righteous. What does that mean? Before Jesus could get out of the grave, He had to die for the imperfection of every human being, past, present, and future. That's the all-knowing mind of God that knew every sin in the whole universe of every human being that would ever be born. And He died for everyone. And He didn't come out of the grave until they were all gone. That's why your heart may condemn you. You feel bad. But God's not condemning you. But look at how we do. We feel bad, so we feel kind of like, I don't want to see that person. I'm looking away. Come on, let me, let me ask you a question. When you were in school, when you were in school and the teacher asked a question you didn't know, were you like, oh, no. What did you do?
1: Because
0: you wanted to let her know, don't call on me. Right? She asked five questions and you didn't know any of them. So you've had your head down for 20 minutes. And she finally asked a question you knew. And what did you do? (laughs) Because you wanted to let her know, I do know this one. Even our dog that now went to doggy heaven. His name was Mitch. Sometimes, he's a little finicky little guy. Sneaky. Sometimes he didn't want to go outside because it's cold for his little feet. And do his business. So he'd find a place on the floor. And we walk in and we see that, and all of a sudden, Mitch would go like this. And he'd go underneath something like this and he'd just hide. And you say, Mitch, and he'd just get lower to the floor. Mitch, he'd get lower to the floor. And if you caught his eyes, his eyes would just do this. (laughs) Guilty. Guilty. What happened when he was guilty? Did he want to come up and be petted? No. He thought he was in trouble. And that's what we'll do when we're feeling like that. We'll try to do some extra reading and some extra prayer time. We'll be make sure we're nice to our brother or our sister or mom or dad until we feel a little bit better about our works. Like now, God, I'm feeling better about approaching God. You don't ever need to feel better about approaching God. He made you so perfect and holy, you can live there. See, this is the beauty of salvation. Not God just saving you by grace and then you working out your salvation on your own. Working out your salvation is yielding to, submitting to, and embracing that He's actually doing all the work. You know, to to let someone else do something for you takes faith. Right? It takes a commitment because you want to do it yourself. But you got to trust in them to do it. God had a better plan than you trying to perfect yourself. You know what it was? It wasn't for you to study so hard and pray so hard until you could get perfected. He made a way through cleansing you thoroughly for you to actually come into heaven, into the throne of God, into his presence and hang out with him. The exact same way that the disciples had a connection with Jesus in this world, the Holy Ghost has a connection with you by the Spirit in that one. Jesus said His divine connection to your heart will be an advantage over the old system where, where man saw each other. John over in First John said, we saw Him, we handled Him, we heard Him. The Word of Life was manifested unto us and our joy, we want to release into you and let you know you can have that joy too. Amen. His amount of joy by hanging out with Jesus, touching Him, hearing Him, being around Him, is not any more real then your spirit being made perfect and God coming to unite his spirit to your spirit until it's like taking a, a, a soft ice cream vanilla and a chocolate and swirling them together until you got a, that's everybody doing the twist, right? <laughs> Come on, that was the best ice cream cone, wasn't it? That was just a simple little invention. Somebody said, We've got chocolate now. Because we only had vanilla for so many years. We thought that's all all ice cream was, is vanilla. You didn't even have to say, I'll have a vanilla cone. That's the only kind that there were. It was easy to get committed back in those days. Before Baskin-Robbins ruined everything and brought 30 more flavors to the one. And now you can't make a choice to save your life. They've even got plastic little spoons to help give you samples. So that you can just, you know, stew over. Which one am I going to have? Which one am I going to have? That's how the world has done us today. We've got so many choices, we just don't know if we should take Jesus or not. There's so many other choices. Which one should I have? Which one should I have? People usually take Jesus when they've run out of all the choices. They come down to 30 flavors and there's only one left and it happens to be Jesus. And then you'll hear people say, well, now I've got to trust the Lord. Oh, you know, poor little thing. You've got to trust the Lord now. And then people say, I wonder why Jesus didn't heal me. You can't get committed about... You know... Well, I was gonna—I forget what I was gonna say, but it was—it was—it was a—I was was don't even know. Maybe it might have been a slang or something. So I'm glad I didn't say it. Amen. It was diddly-um. That's what I was gonna say. I didn't cuss. I don't think I cussed. Amen. John chapter fourteen. I don't think that's a cuss word. Amen. You know, a thousand years ago, our cuss words today weren't their cuss words. Some of you don't know that. You need to do your history. I mean, you know the S word. There's, I'm just a tiny little girl that She didn't know what I'm about. You know, s- silver or, or spacey, she could say. You know, but no, the S word. You know that we don't say. Do you know? Do you know where that came from? You do your history. Back, back in the colonial days when, when they were discovering America and they got down into South, South Carolina.
1: It's all because of you.
0: The S word. It's all because of you. How come? Because the soil changed from being black to red. And they couldn't grow things very well with all the clay. So they brought shiploads of manure... In gunny sacks, burlap bags, over to America, sh- whole shiploads of it. But they kept losing their ships. And they didn't know how come we're losing our ships. They thought the pirates got it. Maybe there were some trade winds or something that took them to a different place than they were trying to go. And, and what they found out was, is having all that manure in a, in, in a burlap bag sitting on the bottom of the ship with salt water coming in, created methane gas. When they'd light the galley to go ahead and make some food, <clears throat> boom, they'd blow their ships up. <laughs> well, shoot, we've got to put up with this red clay. Someone came up with the idea. No, you can do it. How are we going to do it? Just put them in, store them high in transit. They put them up in the rafters instead of down they're in The store high in transit was written on the burlap bags. It was too much to write, so they abbreviated it S-H-I-T. I know you wanted to know this.
1: <laughs>
0: and that's how they came up with that word. And then it got twisted over the years until it became a bad one. I feel like I've really helped you tonight. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I've at least given you something to have a conversation about. Because I know many of you are going to take this and say, I learned something at church tonight. Where did you learn it But Don't tell them you learned it at church. Just say, I learned something today. Which church did you learn it at? That one down on that... Amen. Okay. John chapter 14. Let's read this again. 18 to 20 in the message. I will not leave you orphaned. I'm coming back in just a little while. The world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me because I am alive and you're about to come alive. What I'm getting ready to read you is, is to prove to you that what we talked about last night, that Jesus lived out of a very tangible relationship with His Father. He didn't have a concept of His Father. He spent time with Him. Now, to give you an idea, you could go over to Luke chapter 9. And of course, the other Gospels also have this account. But of Jesus on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. You say, what is that? Well, that's a mountain that Jesus went up to pray at. That wasn't the only mountain. It wasn't like there was only one place He could pray. Amen. You can pray anywhere you're at because God's everywhere. (laughs) You can find Him. The reason why this case is special, because Jesus went often to a solitary place to pray. Solitary meaning it was just Him and God. But this time, He took some people with Him. Which means what? the story of what went on in His private time is now going to be revealed. So this is not an isolated case just because there's only one place to find it. It's how Jesus prayed to the Father. In fact, I'll tell you what, real quickly, let's go over there, Luke chapter 9. We'll come back to John chapter 4, Luke chapter 9. Did I not give you the right passage? Yeah. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. Now, it came to pass about eight days after these sayings that he took Peter, John, and James and went up on the mountain to pray. As he prayed, so notice what's getting ready to happen here. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. I haven't yet, but I'm just thinking it might have some pretty cool words in here. As he prayed, his face began to glow until it was a blinding glory streaming from him. His entire body was illuminated with a radiant glory. His brightness became so intense that it made His clothing blinding white like multiple flashes of lightning." All at once, two men appeared in glorious splendor, Moses and Elijah. They spoke with Jesus about His soon departure from this world and the things He was destined to accomplish at Jerusalem. Peter with his companions had become very drowsy, but they became fully awake when they saw the glory and splendor of Jesus standing there and the two men with Him. As Moses and Elijah were about to return to heaven, Peter... What is that word? What is it? Impetuously. Impetuously. Okay. I guess I'll have to Google it. Blurted out, Master, this is amazing to see the three of you together. Why don't we stay here, set up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. While Peter was still speaking, a radiant cloud of glory formed above them and overshadowed them. As the glory cloud enveloped them, they were struck with fear. Then the voice of God thundered from within the cloud. This is my son, my beloved one. Listen carefully to all he has to say. The message translation of that last little part. I like what it says. It says, while he was, while Peter was babbling on like this, a light radiant cloud enveloped them. As they found themselves buried in the cloud, they became deeply aware of God. I like that. They became deeply aware of God. Okay, you've got deeply aware of God, you've got aware of God, you've got a little bit aware of God, and you've got, I don't have a clue that there is a God. Where are we on that scale? I don't even know that He exists. Oh my goodness, you can't believe the lightning, the bolts of heaven. I mean the streams of glory. Deeply aware, where are we? Because that has so much to do with why what you read becomes a reality to you. Everybody that gets healed, everybody that gets prayers answered, you'll always find that there's something there that brings them back to the reality of the Holy Spirit. I don't know if some of you remember the story. Maybe you don't. Maybe you never heard of it. But Brother Hagan's niece had a baby. Olita was his sister. And she called him to say, Kenneth. Uh, You know, the the, the, forget what the nieces had, the baby, the half of the head is is crushed in its deformed. We need you to pray. He said the baby will be fine. He said it with such assurity that she said, "Uh, did the Lord tell you that? He said, no. Did an angel appear to you? He said, no. Did the Holy Spirit just tell you that? He said, no. She said, then why did you say that? Mark 11:23. And within a couple of hours, the head filled back out and the baby was perfect. Now, you say, well, he, where, where was the Holy Ghost in that? At some point when he used that scripture before, it became real to him. If it's real to you once, the realness of spiritual things never leaves. You can draw back that same thought and use it because it was real to you at one point. In other words, think of it this way. Have you ever told a funny story that happened ten years ago to somebody and you actually started laughing like you did when you actually had the story in the first place? Have you ever had that before? Recall is an amazing thing. Recall brings emotions and thoughts and feelings right back into the same thing that happened years ago. That's exactly what happens with spiritual things. They don't go anywhere. They're just as real today as it were yesterday because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when it became real to Brother Hagen years ago, he was able to use it as though it was real to him in that moment. And it worked! But you'll always have the Holy Spirit involved in a healing, in an answered prayer. That's why on the scale of deeply aware, I'm not aware at all, little bit aware, wow, it's getting really real. Much more aware. I'm in the middle of a cloud. Yeah, I'm pretty aware. Freaking out, actually. Hmm. Now, interesting, as you look at this, this was the way that Jesus prayed. So now we're coming back to John 14. I say, this is the way that Jesus prayed. All the time? Yep. And if you're praying like that all the time, guess what starts to happen? Muscle memory kicks in and it doesn't take long to go back to those situations. Okay, let's, let's do it another way. Is anybody in here praying other tongues? Anybody here been filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, what was it like the first time you prayed in the Spirit? or Maybe the second time you prayed in the Spirit. But after you've been doing it for a couple of years... How hard is it for you to go ahead and get, find an unction? It's like sitting right down in the, I can see it right now. It's right down there. In fact, it's just waving at me. Just saying, go right ahead. Take off. Amen. Praise the Lord. Like a dog on a bone. Take off and run. Amen. Is it hard to pray in other tongues now? Those particular things start to become what? Normal. And the more real he becomes, the more real he becomes, the more consistent you are to let him become real, real, real. Then you'll start living in two places at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. You're aware of this world, but you're also aware of, aware of that one. Now, I'm just describing to you how Jesus lived. Because, see, we can put any religious spin we want on it. Well, brother, you know, we don't need that today because we've got the Word. Well, again, like I said yesterday, when you get to heaven and you look at God on the throne, it's not going to be a big Bible with some eyes there and little hands and little feet, you know? Like a cartoon character. No, 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 no. It's going to be a real person. Huh? Jesus is going to walk up to you and you're going to turn pages. No, he's a real person. I'm describing to you his relationship with the Father was this real. That's what made everything work. Now, in religion, they took that away from us. They made everything a relationship with God. Number one, the first thing that they did is they made a relationship with God become designed for a particular building at a particular time on a Sunday. Yes, they did. You felt like, oh man, i got to go to church today because that's when you're going to have your relationship. What time is it? It's 9.30. Oh man, we've got to hurry because we've got to get there by 10 o'clock. We don't want to be late. You know, We get extra stars You know, when we're there on time. Come on, you think I'm making fun. I'm not making fun. I'm telling you, this is what religion did. This is what man does to things that are pure in God. He always has a way of putting his, his little stamp of approval on it and knocking it down many, many levels until you lose the importance of it and you lose the power of it. And now you being at a building at 10 o'clock in the morning becomes the reason why you can connect with God. And if you think about it, how much of that service did you connect with Him? It took you four songs until you even decided to sing like you meant it. This is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made, that the Lord has made. And obviously your wife goes, Honey, will you say, all right. We will rejoice, we will rejoice and be glad. It took you, and you're not still not in. You're just mad now because you actually have to sing it. Four stanzas later, you actually said, This is the day, this is the day that the Lord, my God, took you four songs to get that crust off of you that you've been wearing all week long. Just so you could lift your hands. But then here's the bad part. By the time you walk through those sanctuary doors, because that's where everything's at. Huh? That's where, yes, yes. The foyer is a place where we have fun. The sanctuary, it's like cold buckets of water poured down your back. I know that. It took me 23 years of my Baptist church to figure out we could have had revival if we just had church in the foyer. (laughs) See, all these ideas exist in the hearts and minds of people because they're put there by the religious people. And it becomes a part of your relationship to Him and it has nothing to do with it. One of the greatest services that this building has is for you to bring your relationship testimonies into this service to share with other believers how normal it is for everyone that walks into this building that finds Jesus. They find Him in such a real way that they have live testimonies that don't date back to 1942. It was just this week that He healed my body and set me free. Healed my body. Told me to run on. Amen. So... Praise the Lord. A hand, praise God, and a side. It's no longer painful. And mom's neck that no longer hurts. And even called today to say it still don't hurt. You almost want to say, mom, did you think it was? (laughs) Jesus always does a good job. Doesn't do a half job. He's the author and the what? The finisher of my faith. Come on, just stepping all over religion tonight. For no other reason that let's just do that. Yeah. Hallelujah! All right, let's get get these thoughts out. And we can we can be done just a little bit. It says because you're going to come, said I, because I am alive, you're about to come alive. John fourteen eighteen to twenty in the message. At that moment, you will ab, you will know absolutely that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. So notice, he said, you're about to come alive. That's the born again experience. That's Jesus telling Nicodemus, you must be born again. When you accept the Lord Jesus and his wonderful salvation for you, An amazing miracle takes place that your spirit man is jerked right out of the kingdom of darkness and placed right into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom you have redemption. Praise the Lord. In other words, instantaneously, God cleans up your spirit and makes you a brand new species of being. He annihilates the old nature of sin and inside of your spirit you become so pure, so perfect, so holy, so like Jesus that the Holy Spirit now jumps inside of your body and becomes merged to your spirit man so that you are one with God. If you want to find Jesus, you've got to look inside of me. If you want to find me, you've got to look inside of Jesus. We are one and the same. And to the degree that I know that I'm one and the same with Him, that's when He starts to become real. We used to sing that little song, He's real. Real. Jesus is real to me. Oh, yeah. He gives me the victory. And I could never doubt Him. And I can't live without Him. And that is why I love Him so. Because He's real to me. Well, He's real. Real. And we used to sing that and sing that and sing that in prayer school until the students start running and shouting because he'd start getting all over them. You'd start feeling them. You'd start seeing them. You'd start hearing them because he is real. We're not pulling up some, something that's not real into our imagination. We're literally revealing our imagination to something that exists and has been real from the foundation of the world. It's not Christian science. This isn't just mind over matter. Hallelujah. What did I do? Did something to my not so small. Amen. I like these things. You can make them as big as you want. You know, the fonts and stuff, make them as big as you want. All right. It goes on to say, at that moment, at the moment you come alive, it says that you will know with absoluteness. Absolutely, you will experience Him. And this is what happens when you experience Him absolutely. You know that, you're, that I'm in the Father and you're in Me and I am in you. That's what Jesus said. In other words, you will know God just stepped inside of my life. He's living inside of my spirit. He's walking around inside of my blue jeans using my size nine and a half shoes. Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! But the still translation said of Galatians 2, verse 20, it said, I've died and now I'm enjoying my second existence, which is simply Jesus using my body. Woo! Jesus is using my body. Hallelujah. Was Jesus' body sick? No. So thank God my body's not sick. Could Jesus stretch out his hand and heal the leper? Yes. So I can stretch out my hand and he's in my hand and heal the leper. Open the blind eye. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, life raises itself to a whole other level, doesn't it? Look at what the Amplified said of verse 21 of of John 14. The person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him. Notice what it says. I too will love him and will show, in parenthesis it says, reveal and manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. Now, see, I've got to read that about ten more times, even though I'll only read it once more, but I've got to take it home and read it ten more times until He becomes that real. Yeah. I will let myself be clearly seen by Him and make myself real to Him. I'm just reading to you what actually should be. That's normal. Man, I heard God. Isn't that amazing? That's normal. Most people hear their parents when they speak to them when they're just like right there. He's not a million miles away. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. He's right there. He's speaking. Praise God. You say, well, I'm not here. That's because you're hearing something else. Now, listen to this verse. This is going to help you with hearing something else. John chapter 10, 1 through 5 i got to read this quickly. Message Bible says, Let me set this before you as plainly as I can. If a person climbs over or through the fence of a sheep pen, instead of going through the gate, you know he's up to no good. A sheep rustle. The shepherd walks right up to the gate. The gatekeeper opens the gate to him and the sheep recognizes. The sheep do what? The sheep recognize his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he gets them all out, he leads them and they follow him. They do what? They follow him because they are familiar with his voice. I'm proving to you now why the way Jesus lived, seeing things from his father, hearing things from his father, the tangibility of his father is exactly what we should be experiencing. The idea that it's something religious that we put on on a Sunday, that we seem to be connected more to the church, building and idea of the religion than we are to the person. Come on, I've been, I've been at certain things where all the workers had shirts on to say, I love my pastor. What the heck is that? Huh? Really? I love my pastor. Well, I'm glad you do. But my God, don't wear it on a shirt. We're not serving the pastor. We're serving Jesus. And you love the fact that that man has been respectful and honorable to help you to find Jesus but you don't make shirts that magnify the pastor. I never see I love my traveling a traveling itinerant minister. I never seen one of those. And we're in the ministry. Pastor says he's going to make some up for next time. <laughs> you, all, you better all wear them too. No, I'm giving you this is, I don't care what any church does. I really don't. I'm making a point here that we've connected people to many things except Him. Just the other day, I heard this guy say, man, with the way that things are going in this world, boy, we really need the Word. I'm thinking, yeah, you do really need the Word, but wouldn't God be better? This this big-time pastor got up on TV and said, if you haven't felt Jesus in a long time, hug your Bible. That's Jesus. I want to say, you're stupid. Now, we know He's one with the Word. I'm not trying to take that away from it. But again, this particular spin we put on it has magnified the Scriptures above the fact that He's real. I know that we magnify His Word. I get that. I'm not taking anything away. The Spirit and the Word ought to agree. Listen, have have you ever... You know the word leverage? Leverage is very important. Sometimes if you're working with something that's bigger than you, you need to get in a position where you can get some leverage because you don't have the weight yourself to lift something. You get some leverage and you can use that leverage to your advantage and actually make something move. Sometimes if people in a ditch on this side, you can't get them out by just being in the middle of the road. You don't have enough leverage. So you get into the ditch a little bit on this side and then you can pull hard so you can both end up in the middle. Yes, I'm stressing how real and how tangible He should be because for so long we've just let the Word be tangible and real to us. And they need to come together, Word and Spirit. They do agree as one. So talking like this is to open your heart up to the Holy Spirit so that everything that He becomes to you is what you've studied. Come on, I'm not backpedaling. I know this is real. Look at this next verse. You'll see it. Romans 6, 10, 11 in the Message Bible says, When Jesus died, He took sin down with Him. But alive, He brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. And I love this. Sin speaks a dead language that means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. Did you get that? God is speaking your mother tongue and you hang on every word. What do we find out? The sheep followed Him because His voice was familiar to them. It doesn't become familiar to you after years and years and years. It's instantaneously familiar. You've got to understand something. God put in the DNA of a sheep I'm not going to go through the, the, the little video that I saw. You've heard me talk about that before, but I will say it this way. I used to complain a little bit about being, you know, uh, uh, the comparison drawn to I am a sheep because you could have found other animals, too. You know what I mean? That I would have been a little bit more excited about. Until I realized that in the DNA of a sheep is the ability to lock in hear, and know your shepherd. That's not something they learn. That's something that instantly becomes real to them. Because they're a sheep, immediately they know the voice of their shepherd. They're able to lock in. You don't have to teach it to them. They get it. And then all of a sudden it became so amazing to realize, thank you, Lord, that I'm a sheep. Because I'm not trying to know your voice. I do know your voice. I do follow you. I do hear you. Amen. Amen. You're my mother tongue. What does that mean? When I go to other nations, I was in Bogota just a, couple, just a month and a half ago. And when you go to another nation, you've got an interpreter. Well, I don't usually wait until he's done saying everything to say something to the people. How come? Because they can't understand me in the first place. I just got to give him enough time to say what he heard me say while he's still talking. I begin to say my next statement and his ear is able to hear it. And then he speaks it. You say, but you're overlapping each other. They're not listening to me. If you've not been in another country, hearing people speak a language you don't know, and all of a sudden you hear, wow, look at these boots, they're on sale. And you go, oh my gosh, where? there's American. Where are they? Where are they? And then you look and then you find them. Why? Because in the middle of hearing nothing but gibberish to you, where you turned your ear off to all of it because none of it makes sense. Right out there. I mean, not louder than anybody. The same level. But you immediately hear your language. Sin speaks a dead language and it means nothing to you. God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. That's fabulous. That's for every one of us. Romans... 6.22, look at this. But now that you've found that you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do and discovered the delight of listening to God tell you what to do, wow, what a surprise. A whole, healed, put-together life right now with more and more life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our Master. The delight of listening to God telling you what to do. Wow, what a surprise. I'm trying to make my point. What we're talking about is is imitating the life of Jesus. We're a tangible relationship of hearing God and seeing God and working with God. And of course, because we have the Word of God, it all works together as one. It's not something you'll have to work on. It's something that He put inside of you the moment you were born again.
1: Wow. God.
0: Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 in the message. Look at this. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure everything out with your mind, with your own, uh, on your own or with your mind, as the King James would say. What people have done is tried to trust God with all their mind and then not lean their heart to Him. But no, we trust Him what? With our heart. We don't try to figure everything out on our own. Listen to what this says. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who'll keep you on track. Wait wait a minute. Listen to God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. If you're going to listen to God everywhere you go, then he has to go with you everywhere you go. If you're going to listen to God in everything that you do, then he has to actually be available and participating in everything you do while you do it to be able to listen to his voice. So what does this seem to be indicating to me? It seems to indicate that God's going to be with you all the time, every day, and He's going to be participating in everything you do. And if you'll allow Him to be a participant in everything you do by inviting Him to be a part of everything you do, you will not only enjoy hearing Him, but seeing Him participate. And when God participates, you always have things like, you cannot believe what happened today. That's what you'll say. Somebody say, well, that sounds like a coincidence to me. And you'll say, no, that wasn't a coincidence. That was God. That was His grace. That was the influence of God upon my life. Not because I deserve it by what I've done, but because I deserve it because of what He did. Hallelujah. Boy, that's exciting. Everything I do, everything I say, everywhere I go, listen for God. Why? Because He's right there. Now, I'm going to give you some different translations and this is where we'll stop. Romans chapter 7 and verse 6. Romans 7, you know, is that chapter. People struggled over that chapter. I don't know what the struggle is. But you know, Paul in there is trying to help everybody recognize that, you know, when you're married to the law, then you're bound to the law. Just like when we're married to a spouse, we are bound to that spouse. Now, if one of the partners died... Then you would be loosed from that contract. And Paul takes that thought that is very easy to understand and he relates it to the law. He said, Jesus fulfilled the law and he died. When he died, you died. And when you died, you died to the law. Since it's been fulfilled and since you died to the law, you're no longer under the shackles of the law, which is your ability to hang out with Jesus has to do with whether or not you can perfectly keep the law in every jot and every tittle. In other words, cross every T, dot every I, and then you can walk into the throne of God because you're perfect. That's the law for you. But since Jesus died, we died with Him. We are free from the law. Because Paul went on to say, when you're not free from the law, it is a bummer, man. I mean, I wake up and I try to do the right thing. And the moment I try to do the right thing, shoot, I do the wrong thing. And then I try not to do the wrong thing. And you know what? I did the wrong thing. Woe is me! The harder I try to do the right thing, the less I do the right thing, the harder I try not to do the wrong thing, the more I do it. Is there anybody that can help me? Give a guy a break! And he went on to say, well, there is someone. His name is Jesus. And He did it. My God, He did it. He hung on the cross. He took my sin. He rose again. He raised me up. I'm in union with Him. And therefore, verse chapter 8, verse 1, therefore, there is no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. My whole life as a young man, as a kid who read the Bible constantly and saw in Romans 8.1 that there was no condemnation, I longed for the day that I could say I was not condemned. Because in my Bible it said, therefore, There is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not according to the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. And I wanted so badly to not have condemnation. But I knew it was almost impossible because it said if I walk in the flesh, I deserve the condemnation. But if you walk in the Spirit, you can be free from it. And then one day I found out that that wasn't even in the original text. Some little scribe read, there is no condemnation when you're in Christ. Period. Exclamation point. And he thought to himself, well, that's way too good. We've got we to leave a little bit of a thumb On their head. we got to leave a little bit of a sting. In their backside. To remind them. Do right. Get right. Do wrong. Get wrong. So he added. To those that walk in the spirit. And not in the flesh. Tripped me up my whole life. Until I found out one day. God didn't write that part. He just wrote the first part. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus set me free from the law of sin and death. It can't set you free from something, then you can still go back under it. It sets you free because it took away all your sin. And it took away all the ammunition of the devil. What ammunition? Your misdeeds is what he would use against you. Once those misdeeds are gone and you're no longer a sinner saved by grace... Just in case somebody here has been singing that you're a sinner saved by grace. You need to stop singing that. <laughs> ain't no sinner saved by grace. You can't be both at the same time. You choose which one you want. As for me in my house, I'd rather be what? Saved by grace. You want to be the sinner? Then you be the sinner. And if you're a sinner, then get saved by grace. And you no longer be a sinner saved by grace. can't be two at the same time. So this is what Paul said. Listen to this. If this isn't the life that we want. I'm going to read to you something from the life of Paul. Listen to this. And then I'll get back to Romans 7. I'm in Romans 6 verse 1. It says, uh, So then, what do we do? Keep on sinning so God can keep on forgiving? I should hope not. If I've left the country where sin is sovereign, how can we still live in our old house there? Or didn't you realize we packed up and left there for good? That's what happened in baptism. When we went under the water, we left the old country of sin behind. When we came up out of the water, we entered into a new country of grace, a new life in a new land. He went on to say, each of us is raised into a light filled world by our father so that we can see where we're going in our new grace, sovereign country. What's he talking about, people? He's talking about this wide, open, spacious life on the other side of the cross. If it's a wide, open, spacious life, what does that tell you? A wide, open life is different from a very confined life. If it's very spacious, then the other life has what? No, no room to move. Everything that you did is under the microscope of whether it was right or whether it was wrong. When Jesus fulfilled that and removed that life and got rid of that life, now it's not about you being under any microscope at all. Yeah, but i got to do right. No, no, no. Doing right comes from believing right. And believing right is what causes Him to become real so that a person is speaking to you and you're recognizing Him. And when you hang out with somebody that has the ability to change your bad morals into good morals. That's what allows Him to perf- listen, perfect that which concerns Him. He not only wants to save you by grace, He wants to perfect you by grace. Yeah. This is the gospel of too good to be true good news. Because we've lived under that black lying cloud of feeling bad about everything we do or don't do right. God wants you to get out from underneath that. That's why He sent Jesus. Listen, listen, listen to how he says it. He says you're not living in that house any longer. We moved two and a half years ago from Tulsa, Oklahoma. When I walk into our house there in, in Colorado, it doesn't look anything like the house in Tulsa. Hmm? The weather's not the same? Thank God. Hmm? Nothing's the same. So why would I, in my new home, live like I did in my old home? when I'm not in my old home. He's trying to tell us something here. We've been completely set free. Come on, let's get a hold of this just for a moment as I give you Paul's thoughts from Romans 7, verse 6. But now that we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by... So that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Let me share with you a couple of different translations. So you'll see what this means. We'll put this together. And I believe with all my heart, this is what the Holy Spirit is crying out from the very heart of our father, God, for his children to get in this last day to be released from the bondage system where the grace of God is not plenteous because you're always thinking about you. Come on, Romans 8 tells us in the Message Bible where it says, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a very endearment type of a term. I love what the Message Bible says. What's next, Daddy? That's what we're getting to. That's the life of the Christian. What's next, Daddy? What do you mean? Daddy and I have been hanging out together and the coolest things have been happening today and you can't believe it. And people look at you and say, I don't even know if I can believe that. Because all kinds of things that people call miracles are normal for somebody that hangs out with the miracle God. They're not miracles to Him. Come on. Whatever God does, whatever God says in the earth looks like a miracle. But it's just normal for Him. When you start hanging out with Him, what's next Daddy says what? It says you've been hanging out with Daddy, now you want to look forward to doing something else with Him. That's the life of Christianity. It doesn't mean we can't read our Bible. Thank God we don't have to, we get to. It doesn't mean we we can't pray in other tongues. Thank God we don't have to, we get to. Same thing with confessing the Word. We get to confess the Word. The words are spirit and they are life. Why would you not want to speak those words versus all the other words like store high in transit? Huh? We get to. But that's not where it ends. That's a part of the enjoyment of hanging out with Him. Ways translation says this. You got to get this. This is awesome. But now the law's claim on us is annulled. It's done. No claim on me. We have escaped by death from that which held us prisoners. (laughs) Trying to stay under that type of system, is like being a prisoner. And hence, listen to this, and hence, while we are indeed enthralled, still. So, listen, listen, listen. Under the law, held as a prisoner to the system of never doing enough and working to be better at whatever you do, will enthrall you. The word enthrall means to be spellbound. In other words, living under the law will put a spell on you. Spellbound means having your attention fixated as though by a spell. Fascinated, hypnotized, mesmerized, spellbound, transfixed, enchanted, influenced by charms or incantations. People drive themselves crazy. And that's why so many Christians give up. And go to the world because they're already in the world. Doing stuff in the world while they're trying not to. So you might as well just give in. Because it's too hard in the church to try to keep it all. And you're reminded every week, stop sinning. I'm trying. (laughs) If you just read more, I'm reading so much I can't read anymore. I fall asleep every time I open it. If you'll just pray more, I'm praying until I fall asleep. It's still not working. Why isn't it working? There's no relationship. You're just doing it to try to make yourself feel better because religion's told you that you've got to be perfect when you're already perfect in Him. The harder you try to perfect what He's already perfected just means you're telling Jesus He didn't do enough. Come on, somebody. Notice what it said. You're indeed enthralled still. What does this mean? What does it mean still? It means you are enthralled. When the law is gone, you become spellbound. To what? I'm glad you asked. It says you're still enthralled still, but it's under the new conditions of obedience to the Spirit's promptings and not under the old conditions of obedience to a hard, fast, written regulation. What are you spellbound by? And He walks with me and He talks with me. And He tells me I am His own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. I come to the garden alone. While the dew is still on the roses. And the joy I hear falling on my ear. The Son of God discloses. See, it's him. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there. None other has ever known. And you get into a spell. People say, man, you look so happy. I am, man. I'm just hanging out with Jesus. Yeah, no, me, me too. Me me too, man. Yeah, we too. We're hanging out with Jesus. You got testimonies? Not any testimonies. What do you mean about hanging out with Jesus? I'm trying to do better. I'm going to church. You'll hear it all the time. I made four in a row. Got a star. Huh? Connie Translation, and I'll just finish reading these couple of translations and we're done. But now that we have died to Christ, the law wherein we were formerly held fast has lost its hold upon us so that we are no longer under the old bondage of the letter, but the new service of the spirit. Pitcher Translation said, but now being released from the law and having died to what once held us in bondage, we are free to serve God in the new spontaneous way of the spirit, no longer cribbed and confined by the antiquated shackles of the external law. What do you see here? The promptings of the Holy Ghost, the spontaneity of the Spirit, the randoms of God. When you're hanging out with Him, say, Come on, let's just go this. The randoms of God. Did you ever notice this, Jimmy? Oh, I never noticed that. The randoms of God, the spontaneity of God. And then this is really good. The last one I'll read is Carpenter Translation. But now all that is ended, you are discharged. The law has no hold on you. You died to it. You are free men. Now you are sons of the Spirit. Your obedience comes welling up from the depths of your nature. Not from reading something on a code written down, making you feel like I've got a list of the things that I need to do. Listen, all, all our lives, you know, the Ten Commandments seem to be the sign for Christianity. No, Jesus pretty much fulfilled that. Now it's what? Hanging out with the Holy Ghost. And when you hang out with Him, will you fulfill the Ten Commandments? Absolutely. You hang out with love, you won't do wrong for a neighbor. You wouldn't even have to be told. It comes welling up from the depths of your nature. Listen to this. Inexhaustible. So when you're hanging out with Him, you don't get exhausted. Got a two-week revival. Shoot, what did I do? I feel punished. Oh, my God. I've got to go to church every night. I'm exhausted. Nope, it's not exhausting. Why? Because it's within you. It's Him. Exhaust, inexhaustible. Better and better all the time. Listen to this. And fresh every time as though you had just thought of it. Hanging out with Him. It's like I had an experience with the Lord today. It was amazing. Well, didn't you have one yesterday? Oh, yeah, that was amazing, too. It's like it's fresh and fresh every time. And then notice the last thing it said. That's the difference between the Pentateuch and Pentecost. The old law was written in a book. The Spirit is a breath. He's there. He's speaking to us. Say, well, okay, so you you shared this message. What, What do you bring us to? I bring you to a place of opening your heart and opening your mind. Okay, so it was a little bit long tonight. Okay, How often do I come? Do I come every week and speak long every week? No. Come once a year so you can handle it. It's a Saturday night. You'd be doing something else. The football game just started at (laughs)
1: 8.30.
0: Okay? You got DVR. You'll get home. You'll see the whole thing. I like watching things on DVR because then I can get past all those ridiculous commercials about drugs
1: Mm -hmm.
0: that make you feel like they've come up with the most amazing drug except for the guy that tells you real, real, real fast, if you take it, you'll die. (laughs) Huh? So I'm doing you a favor. And we're stopping right now. But think about this. This whole thing comes down to if I can open up your heart and open up your mind to the idea that it is normal to hear Him, to see Him, to feel Him. If you'll open up to that, immediately it will start happening. I'm telling you, this isn't something you have to get good at, even though you will get good at. You're already good at, because you were born flesh of His flesh and bone of His bone, nature to His nature, spirit of His spirit, praise the Lord. Everything that Jesus is good at, you automatically by default, because you're in Him, become good at too. If you'll believe that, you'll feel His presence. If you believe that, you'll hear His voice. He becomes real to you, and He becomes the assistant to your faith. What you know from Scripture comes alive. And it's no longer a dead book. It's a living reality. And the Holy Ghost will lead you and guide you and walk with you and talk with you. And the joy that He shares is what will make you spellbound, enthralled, like you're in a trance. Because God's so good and you've got testimonies to tell. Let's lift our hands real quick. Father, I thank You for tonight. Lord, I'm just going to leave it right there. Thank You for tonight. Father, I pray over them the Ephesians prayer. This congregation that they hear right now. To the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that You would grant unto these that are here in this room a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of You. In other words, let them all have an enlightenment. Let them all have an experience with you that the eyes of their understanding would be flooded with light that they may know the hope of their calling, the glorious riches of the inheritance of the saints and the greatness of your mighty power which you worked in Christ when you raised them from the dead and seated them in heavenly places far above all principality and power might demand in every name that is named. In other words, there is nothing in this world that can harm us. We are convinced otherwise that we who are conquerors That there's neither life nor death, nor principality nor power, of things to come, nor things that have been past, that can ever separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is an inseparable bond that Christ lives in me, the hope of glory, the great mystery of the church. Let it be real to these that are here as they open up their hearts and open up their minds. There you are. Grace meets us with the voice of God, with the presence of God. And we learn how to walk with You like Jesus did, where we literally stay connected at all times until we're living in two worlds and we know them like the back of our hand, both of them at the same time. Hallelujah. Thank You, Father, for healing people in this room right here. Setting them free from any bondage that they've had. Releasing them into a blessing. Guiding them and directing them for the days ahead. In Jesus' name, Amen. And as we stop this service tonight, turn it back over to the pastor.